Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. CNN can report that Hillary Clinton has called Donald Trump to concede the race. She has called Donald Trump to say that she will not be president, and uh, I'm not sure the exact words, but probably to congratulate uh, President-elect Donald Trump. The exact same thing that happened in 2016 could happen this year. We are near the end of an unconventional election, but as usual, the polls are becoming a bigger part of the story. The most recent CBS News national poll shows Hillary Clinton with a nine-point lead over Donald Trump. There are a lot of similarities. At this point in the 2016 campaign, uh, most Democrats expected that Hillary Clinton would win. I think the Clinton campaign felt very optimistic. I am going to work as hard as I can over these next 13 days. And if people get out and vote, We will have a victory on November the 8th. There was a high level of confidence, and it turns out to be overconfidence in 2016. This year's a little different. Biden currently has an edge in most of the battleground states, including North Carolina, forcing the president to make his ninth trip there. On the one hand, I think Democrats feel pretty good about where they're at. But at the same time, the experience of 2016 was so searing for Democrats that no one wants to be overconfident. And we know that the president has already pulled off a remarkable feat by coming from behind in the polls. So I I think this is a little different this year in that both sides expect almost anything can happen and are not convinced in either direction. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Charlie Matessian on how, with just a couple weeks until November 3rd, President Trump is on the defensive, but this election could still go either way. So we're running against perhaps the worst candidate in the history of presidential politics. Can you believe this? The president is in something of a defensive crouch. But actually, I wish he was a good candidate because it actually puts more pressure on you running against a guy like this. His map's not nearly as wide as Joe Biden, and you see that from the kinds of places that the president is going. I love Georgia. I love being with you. This is Georgia. This is Macon, Georgia. We won Macon, Georgia. We're going to win it again. It's great to be back in the heart of this incredible state with the thousands of loyal, hardworking, unbelievable American patriots. Thank you very much. He's really struggling in the Rust Belt states. Exclusive new poll numbers show Biden has expanded his lead by three. He's now up eight points here in Michigan over the president. What you're seeing from some of the visits, uh, his candidate visits, and remember, a candidate's most precious commodity is time. So where the president goes tells you a lot about where they think their chances are. And so if you take a look at where the president's going and where he's spending his ad money, you know, he's doubling down in places like Arizona, Georgia, Florida, and feels that those are absolute must-wins and hopes to pick off a few other states. Just remember, early voting is underway. Get out and vote. Go out and vote. What you hear the president talking about is just completely scattershot. Lock up the Bidens. Lock up Hillary. China, Hunter Biden. Can you imagine if my kids did what this guy Hunter is doing? Ivanka. Oh, my beautiful, my wonderful Ivanka. She's an innocent. Uh, Democratic extremism. Various Democratic officials that he hates. How about Ilhan Omar? You know, I'm going to win. Minnesota, because of Ilhan Omar. 
She hates our country. I mean, you see the way she talks. She hates our country. You know, attacking the media. He's really all over the place in his messaging. And I think that's a, a big part of the, the, the problem that he, he faces right now. I mean, he's just all over the map. I think Biden has always been a much more disciplined politician. And I think he's hewing to a steadier course right now. And, it, and it's benefiting him. You know, with uh, Joe Biden, I think we've got a person that's got some compassion and he's got a real plan to get things going. Turn it around. You know, I, uh, I made a mistake in 16. I won't make a mistake in 2020. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. We see that Joe Biden is outspending Donald Trump on the airwaves, which is fairly remarkable because about a year ago, almost no one thought you'd see a scenario in which Joe Biden outspent Donald Trump. In fact, Democrats were absolutely panicked in late 2019, thinking that he was just going to be overwhelmed and swamped. I, I call to thank you. I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've done for me and uh, the other contributions you made as well. But I wanted you to know, no one knows this, but you know how much money we raised in the month of September? $380 million. Yes. <laughs> I can, I, that's more money I've ever raised my whole, my whole life. 5.5 million donors. I think in a lot of ways, he just wants to run out the clock. He leads in most of the swing states right now in the polls. Uh, he leads in the national polls. Things seem to be going uh, in the right direction for him. He's hitting 50% in some states. And so he's staying focused on coronavirus, uh, on health care, and I think trying to project an image, a reassuring image against the, the kind of haphazard style that Trump has been employing in the, in the run-up to the election. So that's the state of the race. Biden is coasting. Trump is on the defensive, his message all over the place. But I guess my question is, isn't this what's worked for Trump in the past? Like looking back to 2016, October of 2016. Boy, oh boy, what a crowd. The president was kind of doing the same thing, making wild accusations against Hillary Clinton, leading lock her up chants. The best evidence that our system is rigged is the fact that Hillary Clinton despite her many crimes, was even allowed to run for president in the first place. Couldn't he just be doing what's worked in the past and could work this time? Well, I think it's uh, kind of a fool's errand to try and get in Donald Trump's mind. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he has admitted or at least his rhetoric at recent rallies suggests he understands the predicament he's in. I don't think he can believe it in some ways because of, you know, I think he looks at uh, Joe Biden with a, a great deal of disdain. Uh, I think he finds it hard to believe. I think uh, he doesn't get a lot of good advice from uh, his inner circle. I think he they they often sort of flatter him and don't tell him how bad things are. Uh, but I do think now it's, he's beginning to catch on uh, and uh, what I think that will lead him to do is just make more and more outrageous claims and, you know, try and drive the news cycle or try and find something that works. One of the things that he's been really successful at in his career in the public eye is just focusing attention on himself and doing outrageous extreme things that, you know, put him in the center of the debate. You know, whether that'll be effective enough to win votes, I don't know. But I think what you can expect is really sharpened, heightened rhetoric in the final weeks. With all of that in mind, who's to say that we don't see a repeat of 2016, that things are a lot closer than they appear? And despite the fact that Biden's polling ahead, Trump could still get a win in two weeks. Donald Trump's short career politics has shown this 
just amazing ability to defy political gravity. So who's to say his approach won't work again? Uh, he wings everything. It worked really well for him. It worked. It got him into the White House. So there's no reason I think he can't do it again. One reason is because we don't still know the true nature of Donald Trump's support, meaning pollsters haven't been able to convincingly show that they're able to accurately gauge who his supporters are and the depth of that support. When you talk to Republicans out in the field, meaning Republican activists or, or local party chairs, they remain confident that the president has a shot and can win because they don't think that the polls accurately capture the depth of Republican sentiment. And there's some reason to believe that's true. That's That was the case in 2016. And so, you know, it's entirely possible that he could pull this out. If you look at the swing states uh, and the polling in the swing states, Joe Biden is within the margin of error in some of those, which means that's a very close race. That is not a race that's finished. Or he's just outside the margin of error. So in any case, it's still, you know, fairly close in a lot of ways. And in fact, this weekend, the Biden campaign even sent out a memo warning Democrats about overconfidence and trying to underscore the fact that this race is not cooked in any way and everyone still has to finish hard. Charlie Matessian, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you, Jeremy. Also today, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the Senate will hold two votes this week on a half-trillion-dollar coronavirus relief package. On Tuesday, they'll consider additional money for the Paycheck Protection Program, which gives relief to small businesses. And on Wednesday, they'll vote on the rest of the package. It's set to be nearly identical to legislation Republicans attempted to pass in September, which included $300 in boosted federal weekly unemployment benefits through the end of December, as well as money for testing and reopening schools. Democrats are not expected to support the proposals. The move comes as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin continue to discuss a broader relief package, with Pelosi indicating yesterday that the White House has less than two days to finalize a deal with Democrats to have any chance of getting a bill through before the election. And several European nations are instituting new coronavirus restrictions as cases are surging again. On Sunday, Italy announced stricter rules for bars and restaurants and a ban on local festivals. In Paris and several other French cities, restaurants, bars, and movie theaters are seeing new restrictions on hours. Multiple cities in England also have new bans on indoor gatherings. And in Northern Ireland, a lockdown lasting four weeks came into force on Friday. Meantime, in the U.S., the coronavirus case count has passed 8 million amid signs the disease is spreading at rates not seen since late July, and hospitalizations begin ticking up again. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, you can help us out by leaving a rating and review and by telling a friend about the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. The way to bring this country to its knees is to choke off our supply. Imagine for a second our globe as a series of supply chains. Food, everyday goods, and raw materials. Zooming across the world in a single day. But what if those global supply chains suddenly ground to a halt.
It's not just about finding which vaccines work. It's about preparing the manufacturing and supply chains for those. And if one little detail in those supply chains goes wrong, we might not be getting vaccines to people when they desperately need them. The global pandemic showed us what it's like when we can't get the things we need. Masks, personal protective equipment, even toilet paper. There's simply not enough raw materials. We have to figure out how to get this right. There is a bigger story behind the scarcity. We need to fight back against China. A bigger picture with implications for our future. That's going to be a major challenge. On this season of Global Translations, where has globalization fallen short? And where do we go from here? The 90s called and their economics is not what we need now. I'm Louisa Savage. I've spent my career thinking about the global forces that shape our world. Join me and other journalists from Politico. A new season of Global Translations coming October 21st. Presented by City, a leading global bank. <laughs>